This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You're sitting at your desk. It's 3 p.m. on a Monday, and you start craving a healthy snack. What do you reach for? You have so many choices. You have RX bars and Cliff bars. You've got those organic chips or gluten-free granola bites. Uh, there's also vegan fruit leather, whatever you want. It's like the golden age of health-conscious snacking. Well, today's founder says you shouldn't pick any of those. You should pick her snacks. She says her little plant-based bite-sized mashups of dates and cashews will emerge victorious in the snacking revolution. But not just because they're delicious. She has an unconventional plan to make her snacks stand out from the competition. But unconventional also means unproven. Let's see if Kate can get the investors on her side. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Today's investors are... I'm Nimi Katragata. Nimi is a partner at Box Group, where they've invested $100 million in over 400 startups, including one company you've probably heard of, Warby Parker. I'm Al Doan. Al built several e-commerce brands. Two of them do over $100 million in annual sales. And now he's an angel investor. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $45 million in over 100 startups to date. I'm Sheil Manat. Sheil has sold three startups for over $50 million. Now he's an angel investor, and he's invested in several companies worth billions today. All right, on with the pitch. Hello. Hi. Hello. I'm Kate. Hey, Kate. I'm Sheila. So nice to meet you. Hey, I'm Charles. Nice to meet Great you. Great to meet you, Kate. Okay. So my name's Kate Flynn. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sun and Swell Foods. Did you know that three out of four women in the U.S. have an unhealthy relationship with food? I was one of those women for most of my adult life. Um, about three years ago, things changed for me when I stopped obsessing over numbers like calories and the scale, and I started focusing on the foods I was putting in my body and how they made me feel. Staying away from things like added sugars, added preservatives, or things that don't necessarily make your body feel great. And I would go into stores looking for grab-and-go snacks that I could eat throughout the day. I'd flip over like the healthy snacks, and they would all have ingredient lists like 40 ingredients long with ingredients I didn't know how to pronounce or I was trying to avoid. So I launched Sun and Swell Foods with a mission of making simple whole food eating more accessible to people living a really busy on-the-go lifestyle. So I'm here today raising $600,000 so I can make this world a healthier place one bite at a time. Mm, very cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Amazing. So I'll hand out some snacks. Wonderful. <laughs> I have little packs for each of you. Kate hands out small packets of her first product, Snack Bites. She's brought them in cinnamon, chocolate, and lemon coconut. And I tried them too. They're so good. I was expecting little flavorless cardboard tasting lumps, but it turns out these aren't like the day balls my dad used to make. My favorite flavor is the same as Shields. <laughs> Tasty. I like the cinnamon one. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, cool. What do these retail for? $3. 
What are your margins like on this product? Yeah, so our COGS are 90 cents and our average selling price is um, $1.60. So we have about 45% margin right now. And with these four SKUs, are there others? So we launched with this line. It's our snack bites. They're all date and cashew based. Um, We hit the market in 2017. Since then, we also have launched some cookies and we have like a trail mix and a uh, cracker. Um, Is it is it like an I mean, is your uh, target space? Is it like energy bars? Is that your competition or is it like snack foods like a healthier potato chips? Yeah. So it's um, we don't like the word energy because we don't add anything to it. But yes, but, but our overall vision is to serve all the snacking occasions. So I talked about a few of those other products that we launched, which are mainly like the crackers. Um, but that's a product like targeted towards liter- the clean consumer who would never eat a Cheez-It mm-hmm. or who would never eat a wheat thin. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's like they don't have any options there. So this is a pretty competitive category. Tell me more about kind of like what your ultimate vision is and what does it take to build and scale a company in this category from scratch? So um, I think... So two years ago, there was no bite or ball category. Sure. Now there is. So we're excited to be part of this fast-growing category of bites and balls, but we know that's not completely defensible. So it all comes down to brand. So for us, we try to communicate simplicity um, and like clean and simple brand. So our strategy has always been to sell our snacks in places where our core consumer is spending their day. So that's places like coffee shops, fitness studios, workspaces. We really target those trendier coffee shops where the awareness and the visibility is really good for us. I mean, if you go into like Barry's Bootcamp, it's our product sitting next to RX Bar, Epic Bar, Vital Proteins, like three of the biggest yeah. brands in like the CPG yeah, food great. space. Awesome. And they found us. They found us in LA and they reached out to us. And so right now it's all retail. Is there any direct-to-consumer? Yeah, we, so, we do, so we do sell... Um, it has historically been about 20% online. So we totally know the importance of the channel and we like we cherish those relationships with that portion of our customer base. It just hasn't been our core growth strategy. Do you think you ever go for a traditional retail? It's definitely not our strategy in the near term. Um, but this year we've started going after the corporate offices um, and um, that's gonna be our main focus of growth over like the next 12 months. Are there good examples of companies that have, like, I, I guess I'm more accustomed to building brands directly through the consumer mm-hmm. as opposed to the employer. Totally. Are there examples of that? Or can you give me more insight on how you think the office channel helps you achieve your ultimate vision? Yeah, totally. And and I would say um, not just office, but alternative channels in general. Yeah. So like a great current example of one is Oatly. If you guys yeah, have heard of Oatly, sure. like they're a coffee shop yeah, brand and that's definitely. like 70% of their business. And after establishing the brand there, then they started to roll out in a grocery. Um, you know, RX Bar got their start in fitness studios Cross- yep. and CrossFit. Yep. Yep. Personally, like I think one of the biggest barriers to people building a food business is it's really hard. So my co-founder is um, my husband, Brian, and Brian's background is in sale. He actually did sales and sales operations in the tech space, yeah. but we knocked on 400 doors. And everybody asks us how we did it. We're like, it's no secret sauce. It was just um, just Knock on knocking door. on doors, <laughs> like, which nobody yeah. wants to do. And, um, and obviously, as we're looking towards our next scale of growth, we can't build it one door at a time. And that's where, you know, the, the, the best thing about the corporate world is... Um, the snacks are free, and so it's like free yeah. trial. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves a free snack. It's a fair point and a smart way to get the word out about the brand. But it's not what these tech investors are used to. They're like, have you tried this thing we love called the internet? 
What would it what would it take to convince you that uh, that was the worst idea ever? And you should go to have no. I'm just, well, like, what, what would it take to pull you into? Other That's coming up after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Kate Flynn is pitching her plan to turn Sun and Swell into the next big brand in healthy snacks. And that plan? lives and dies on her ability to sell to coffee shops and corporate offices, which is a big change from what these investors are used to. And Al, with his deep e-commerce background, is particularly skeptical. I'm so torn because I I hate the corporate growth channel. Mm -hmm. I love like the D to C and like, let's go to Amazon, let's get in Whole Foods, let's go that route. Um, It it just feels so much slower to go the sort of the hand-to-hand combat of Coffee. I mean, 400 doors is great, but that's like, I mean, that's one good sale in another space, right? Totally. Um, is there like, I mean, talk, talk to me a little bit more just about why, I mean. Why we chose that? Like, Yeah, like why? Like, <laughs> yeah. could I totally. convince you? To no, totally. That? So I go back to like who our core consumer is and when are they in that emergency pinch where they need something like this? And it's when they're on the go and they're out and about and they're at the office or they're at the coffee shop. Why aren't you ten million dollars in sales tomorrow? I mean, Brian sounds like he's great and he could he could murder this. Like, well, our constraint has been largely our time. I mean, we do like everything. I mean, we're not we're. I mean, we we have a couple parts. We have a kitchen staff. We don't make the product anymore ourselves, which has to feel really good, right? So we do have um, some support, but exactly what you're saying, like building the business one door at a time to four hundred doors. Yes, hugely time intensive. We've realize that my approach as an entrepreneur was like get validation okay try again like I think personally like my journey just needed to start a little slower and steady and um I now I'm just at this point where we're like we just need to grow this thing like people want it um businesses want it customers want it we just need to grow it so we did 150k last year in revenue and then this year we've started going after the corporate offices um we're planning to do 250K in Q4, so. 250K in revenue, you want to be in Q4? In Q4. What's your aspiration for how big this company is? So my vision is to have, like, a brand that reinvents the world of packaged food. And I think it starts with, like, I, I firmly believe 10 years from now, the, the grocery industry and the snack food industry is going to look so different because we're just becoming more aware every day about how we can't keep eating these, like, heavily processed, like, ingredients. If I look at, like, the, the big success story over like the past couple of years was RX Bar, who in yeah. five years yeah. got to 120 million. Something I feel really solid about is that in three years, we could get to 10 to 15 million. And like my ultimate vision would be to have the brand like, you know, well over a hundred million dollar brand and play across categories and whatnot. Um, but but I 
feel like that's super achievable for us. Kate's got pretty good answers for the investors' concerns, except for one. Al is still hung up on the idea of selling door-to-door. It's too old school, manual, archaic even, for this internet-born millionaire. Yeah, the, the, the corporate channel is such a different space than I know. I mean, what would it, what would it take to convince you that uh, that was the worst idea ever? And you should go to that? No, I'm just, well, like, what, what would it take to pull you into other channels and, I, and go r- right away? Or is it just like human capital constraint? It's resource constraint. I would love to build our brand more on DTC, but like I just don't have the I don't have the strategy behind it right now or the expertise. Does it hurt the strategy if you show up in Costco tomorrow? Yes, I it think does. so. Um I think well, the biggest way it would hurt our strategy is I think we lose focus. So we start designing products around Costco and it would be a, a little bit pulling away from focus of what we're trying to do man i love i love the product (laughs) like my wife uh she all my snacks have turned into this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. uh and i miss my chewy chips ahoy um (laughs) but uh but no i mean this is a space that like that like is kind of near and dear and i love the ingredients are like i mean it's it feels like it should exist everywhere yeah the value add that i know how to do is like let's go and be everywhere yeah. and that's how we'll succeed. And so it's, you know, there's like this part of me that wants it to be the way that I know how to do it. I'm right. looking at it through the lens that it's familiar, but so I'm not going to say anything yet. I'm just going to hang out for a few more minutes <laughs> and just see. I'm still stewing over here. Um, excited. I don't mind the corporate channel actually like for, for where you're at today. Um, I think direct to consumer is actually pretty hard in this category. I worry about it from a like venture returns perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that your projections are totally realistic. Yep. I just, for me, it's not the return profile I'm looking for, totally. for for a venture investment. So I'm gonna pass on investing, but would love to be helpful. That'd be amazing. Thank you so much. Sure. So I really like, I really like you. Oh, I think um, one thing I really appreciate about you is I think you have a very authentic sense about how you got to where you are mm-hmm. and the things that come natural to you on the corporate side versus pretending that you have this deep background in direct-to-consumer, and I think part of being successful as an entrepreneur is understanding kind of your own unique path. And yeah. I, I appreciate the fact that you haven't oversold what you think is possible. Mm-hmm. My only reservation right now is I don't like I don't know enough about the corporate channel, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely get the sense that's that's where your instincts say to go. And mm-hmm. I think if we can crack some of the distribution stuff, this could be really big. So I'd like to um, look at a small investment for our fund of like. $10,000. Awesome. I love I love the whole story here and I love the product and it's delicious. Thank you. Thank you. Um we've invested in quite a few direct to consumer brands like Warby and Harry's and I think our expertise and sweet spot is really where companies do go heavy on D2C in the beginning. Um and so I'm passing for now but love to stay in touch and really really enjoyed meeting you. Mimi and Sheil are out. Charles is in for 10K, but our holdout is Al Doan, who's been on the fence this whole time. Okay, I want to come along for the ride. Um, <laughs> let me, I'll, I'll put in, uh, I'm in for like 20, 25. Awesome. Um, let's talk. I, I think, I, man, I think that there's a lot of cool stuff we could riff on and, totally. and come up with. I'm excited to see where you go with it. Uh, just It'll just be fun to be in the same, yeah. on the same side of the table awesome. trying to figure this out. Awesome. So cool. Thank you. 
Thank you guys so much. Oh Thank my you. gosh. I have to Thank say, you. I'm just, the thought of me being a founder, like never crossed my mind a couple of years ago. So um, even just being here is like, I kind of have to take a moment. And think, this is awesome. So thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate thank you. it. Yeah. Thank you. Charles and Al are in like Kate Flynn. Anyway, after she left the room with at least 30 grand in commitments, I popped in to find out what it was about Kate that convinced Charles and Al to invest in a strategy that clearly they were uncomfortable with. On the show, it's often pretty hard for food and beverage companies to get over the line. Yeah. What is different here? Her. Like, I, you know me, I've, I've been in most of the food and bev pitches. I think um, some of the other ones I felt like were more conventional in terms of their approach. And I think Mimi and Gio both hit the nail on the head, which is like those channels are really competitive. And so if you're an inexperienced person who wants to exploit Facebook and Instagram for DTC, I think that's like running into a buzzsaw. Yeah, no chance. And there yeah. were other teams we've met before. I'm like, you're going up against way more sophisticated people on the distribution side in the channel that you're going after. And yeah. I feel like this is mostly a distribution game. And the thing I thought was interesting is she's picking a distribution channel that I maybe don't like and know nothing about, but if she's successful, I think it's a really unique angle. A more specific question, you may have already answered this, Al, but like you said you you needed more time as you were kind of mulling over yeah. her, her strategy. And then you said, I want to go along for this ride. What exactly changed your mind? Um, I just had to think through the, the coffee shop space. Like I want, I want this to exist where once people sample it, and they want to go back and get it, it shouldn't be as hard as it is. But the the D to C, I didn't think was the right move. I think, like, I want to see this in, like, Whole Foods and everywhere else. Yeah. So as soon as you make that customer one of yours, that they can go and replenish all day long. But I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's her. Like, she's, she's very self-aware. She's got a good angle on stuff. You know, I didn't feel like she was BSing us through any of the, we're going to market our way to victory here. Yeah. It's, like, very realistic. So her, her distribution strategy of like selling into gyms and boutique coffee shops was both the reason that gave you pause to not invest and the reason why you ultimately decided to invest. Yeah. I mean, like literally I said, like, I'm just going to go along for the ride. I, I want to see this. I want to see how it goes. When we come back, Al comes along for that ride. But Charles, <laughs> he's another story. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. We caught up with Kate a few months after her pitch, 
and she surprised us when she said that halfway through her round, interest from investors started to wane and her round kind of stalled out. I think the reality is we didn't realize how long it was going to take to fundraise. I mean, like this is our first time really fundraising and everyone tells you it's going to take, you know, twice as long as you think it is. But of course, we thought we were going to be different. And so we didn't really have a, like we, we, we didn't have the money to start putting money into digital marketing. We didn't have the money to start, um, you know, hire another person. And so we were kind of forced to keep operating really scrappy. But Kate said that because their scrappy plan to sell to corporate offices is starting to work, they aren't stressing. Actually, they're doing pretty well despite being only partially funded, which is why she was like, why would I spend any more of my precious time pandering to VCs when I could just keep crushing it on my own? So she actually stopped pitching new investors. But before she stopped pitching, Kate was able to reel in the dough from Al, the investor from our show, who ended up putting in 20K. So that's cool. But Charles Hudson, on the other hand. Yeah, I tried to reach out to him a couple times. Um, and I just, I never, I never heard back. You know, my perspective is I want them to be excited about working with us and excited about our company. And after I've sent several emails, I just feel like if, you know, if, if he's excited about the company, then he'll, he'll remember to reach back out. But I, I just didn't want to be pushing some, someone and forcing someone to, to do something that, you know, they're not super excited about. Kate got ghosted by Charles Hudson, but she had no idea why. So we called Charles. Turns out he was sorry that he left Kate in the dark. Oh, it feels awful. It yeah. feels awful. Why? historically, you know, this is, I think in 200 some odd investments, probably the first time I can think of where we made a commitment to somebody had every intention of fulfilling it and haven't been able to. And it's one of the things we pride ourselves on is sort of not making commitments that we can't live up to. And this is the first time where sort of circumstances in the portfolio put us in a position where we couldn't do that. Yeah. Do you want me to get Kate on the phone right now? Sure, I'm happy to talk to her live. So I texted Kate, told her that Charles wanted to talk. Hi, this is Kate. Hey, Kate. Okay, Kate, Charles, can you, are you both there? I'm here. I'm here. Charles, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, hey, look, I just wanted to apologize for not being responsive to any of your outreach and uh, every time I, I heard from you, I was like, oh, we're on the cusp of being able to write a check. And I should have just told you what was going on. Um, but we we got into a bit of a jam after the show where you know we spend a bunch of time trying to forecast which of our portfolio companies are going to come back and ask for more money. Yeah, And uh, we had significantly more companies come out of the woodwork than we had modeled. And every day I thought we'd sort of reached a steady state. I said, okay, now I know where we are. I can give Kate some guidance. And another one came out of the woodwork. So the dust has finally settled on our end. Uh, and so <laughs> no, I no worries. Charles, and I, 
I, honestly, I'm the same way sometimes. And so yeah. like, I, I never take it like offensive. Like I was like, Charles will get back to me when he can get back to me. So yeah. no, no worries. I know, I know how crazy things are and um, I totally understand. Yeah. And so like, I think we're going to have some proceeds coming back from an acquisition that would allow us to make good on, on our commitment to, to make an investment and work with you and try to get things back on track if it's not awesome. too late. Totally. No, that, that would be amazing. I'm, I'm around the next, next couple of weeks. So just, just okay. uh, touch base when you're ready and we'll go from there. Sounds great. Thanks. Bro. Before you guys go, um, yeah. like, I feel like I'm like the startup whisperer here or something like mending founder and investor relationships here. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm thinking about this from like a customer perspective in a way, Charles, like Kate is your customer, right? Not in, a, not in a way. She is. It's not in a way. <laughs> she isn't who is. So she is your customer. But if you were thinking of like yeah. any other industry, there's a place where the customer can go and like rate and review the service they're getting. And so then yeah. word gets out that like this, you know, this company doesn't have good customer service or like whatever. Yep. But I feel like in this industry, in venture capital, this happens all the time founders don't hear back from investors and they don't know why and they don't know if they'll get the funding. And I, I think it's a problem. I feel like it should be fixed, but like I don't know what the solution is. So Kate, you weren't bothered at all that Charles hadn't responded to three of your emails? So so yes, this is something that ha I think happens commonly with founders and entrepreneurs. Like this happened to me before. Um, it's better to just have like a yes, I'm in or no, I'm not. But I don't personally get offended or like upset about it because I think it's just like it, it happens all the time. Yeah. I assume that if I do a bad job in terms of responsiveness and treating people well, that when their friend says, hey, I'm thinking about pitching this person, they're going to go, I had such a bad experience. Like, don't waste your time. Like, I, I assume that, like, that will be the consequence of, like, not doing a good job. And the reason I know this happens is we have 300 founders in our portfolio. And I know sometimes they'll come to me and say, hey, I've heard this person, like, isn't good. I've heard that this firm isn't responsive. I've heard this firm, like, waste founders' time. Huh. That's coming from somewhere. The answer is it's other founders. Yeah. I think for me, like, it's so much dependent on, like, how you connect with an investor and we I mean, we've been there's been people who we've investors who people have told us like hey this is like the best person for you they're gonna be right but like if the connection's not there and like for me it's like you need to see how you feel like how does your gut feel when you talk to the person when you meet the person and i'm sure the investor feels the same way yeah okay cool thank you for this all right all right, all right. Talk to you soon. thanks Bye. josh thanks charles bye-bye bye-bye All in a day's work. Just kidding. I can't take any credit. Actually, this reminds me. I have some emails I need to respond to. Oops. The Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Kareem Maddox and Heather Rogers. We are edited by Sarah Saracen and Blythe Terrell. Theme music is by The Musemaker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Billy Libby, The Musemaker, and Names Are Hard. We are mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. 
And here's our quick disclaimer. No offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. You can follow the pitch on Spotify and listen for free or find new episodes wherever you listen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.